Hello, everybody, and welcome to week three, or I guess week four of Stat Chasing. Well, we're going to be discussing all the exciting developments from weeks one to three, hitting on each of the positions and the most important stats um, to get you up to speed as we look towards DFS, uh, best ball resurrection, and your seasonal uh, leagues for the rest of the year. So excited to go through the stats today. Drico, how was uh, your week three uh, for fantasy? So I, I actually, I had a, it was like kind of great, but kind of frustrating week three. Um, so as, as you know, I've been doing the kind of battle royale stuff on uh, underdog mm-hmm. and I, I'd like the sick team. I'd like uh, Lamar Jackson, I'd Mark Andrews, I'd Devonta Smith. And this was Ooh. in uh, one of the kind of smaller tournaments uh, the goal line stand and it's 12 teams a draft. So that, that in itself pushed me up to 17th, but my, uh, if I had a drafted quarter L Patterson instead of Aaron Jones, I would have won the tournament. And <laughs> I'm like picking myself for that decision. Yeah, that's that was probably one of those things where the ADP discrepancy was quite big. But as you mentioned in those tournaments, you, you should be pretty aggressive about about reaching on ADP, right? Uh just just from an ownership perspective. Um so I would guess that the- in the in, in in the battle royale stuff when you're playing against sixty thousand people, and mm-hmm. it's six people in each draft what, what what you see happen is it's the same player is drafted in the fifth and sixth round over and over and over again and a, a good example of that last week would have been um mike thomas is like drafted 100 percent of drafts and then okay. chris olave basically untouched despite the 330 air yards last week and uh, week three, he obviously converted those air yards for a big score. So it's 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 that sort of like discrepancy that you're looking for to kind of like target and, and leverage. Yeah, that makes sense. And you know, I'm way less experienced in in these than you are, but I've noticed when I'm on the clock in those drafts, it's so hard to go away from the ADP. Like that's just the the lizard brain instinct, and also your best ball instinct to just look at the top ten names and make a choice from there. But I think there really is a huge edge in these contests because of that. I think everyone's like approaching them so similarly. Um, and yeah, like, like you've mentioned, you've done a lot of work on this. There's probably a ton of value and just sort of, you know, for a weekly contest, uh, right. ADP should not be treated as, you know, as the Bible, as it might be in a season right. one contest. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Um, and then cool. the Smith was like almost completely undrafted as well. Yeah, that's see, that's ridiculous. Like guys with that type of ceiling that are going undrafted, it's just right. uh, it doesn't make any sense. But I can see again, like from being on the clock in those as someone who's new and right. not experienced them, I see how that happens. Like you see the top ten names, you're like, oh shit! Like I should be picking AJ Brown over Devonta Smith 100 percent of the time, but you know you shouldn't. I, obviously, I mean, people are drafting Mike Thomas over uh, at, at Devonta Smith because they're like, oh yeah. yeah. He got the targets. It's it's Michael Thomas, but uh, it obviously it doesn't quite work like that in in uh, reality. Yeah, for sure. Well, don't need to talk about my week three too much. I played a few DFS lineups and played all Mahomes stacks with uh, Juju and Michael Hardman. So let's uh, <laughs> we can move past that. There's no 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 exciting sweat there at all. So uh, after yeah. after telling the people we need to stay away from these uh, Chiefs receivers <laughs> last week, 
where you're just trying to, you're just trying to push the ownership down so you can jam yeah. them in. Exactly, and I know we're massive following, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> so I was I was trying to play the market there, but yeah, I don't know. I thought you know McColl was popping a little bit in the weighted targets for route run stuff, mm-hmm. and the rest of the Chiefs wide receivers weren't. Um, I thought he looked pretty good in week two. Uh, it was, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work out. No, Obviously, I, I, I'm completely yeah. kidding. The prices in DFS and uh, the resurrection, what we were talking about, completely different game. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things where like, Hey, the, the fundamental analysis is important, but relative to the price is super important too. Yeah. It's just crazy. I mean, it's crazy how cheap you can get a Mahomes stack, even though he's really expensive. Um, if you don't go with Kelsey, right. So I think that's going to work eventually, but man, good luck picking between MBS, Juju, McColl, maybe Sky, even Justin Watson. You know, we've seen break off a huge play. So they're just, they're putting so, they're playing, uh, you know, Fortson and Noah Gray too. They're just rotating so many guys that, you know, maybe at a certain point it's, it's sort of chasing fool's gold to try to try to hit on one of those guys. But when they're so cheap, you would think it's going to work one of these times this year, but, um, you know, I mean that, that's that's one of the best ways to win in DFS is yeah. when when you have this offense that you think is go- has the potential to score lots of points and all the people who can score those points are really cheap and low owned because people aren't sure which ones it's going to be. Well, mm-hmm. it's got to be somebody. Obviously, it wasn't anybody last week, but that's a, that's a, that's a big situation that you do want to target. Mm-hmm. I agree. The process, the process. And speaking of the process, let's dive into our quarterback process for weeks one to three. So looking at this chart here, uh, same as we've had the last couple of weeks, we're trying to assess quarterback performance with TD rate. So, you know, percentage of throws where they get a TD on the Y-axis. There's a lot of sort of noise in that data. Um, and then adjusted yards per attempt on the x-axis which is yards per attempt adjusted for touchdowns and interceptions so it'll sort of you know if you have a lot of interceptions that'll draw that number to the left if you have a lot of touchdowns that'll bring that bring that number to the right so and again sorry last thing to mention here there are is rushing yards per game also shown so you'll see obviously the insane rushing quarterbacks like lamar jalen hurts josh allen pop out here Draco, this looks like a mess obviously we have jalen hurts lamar josh allen mahomes and even Tua separating in quite a ridiculous manner and then there's just a massive cluster of of quarterbacks besides that uh did you have any any takeaways here um you know looking at this at this yeah so and I do think it's interesting that uh, Jalen Hurts is so high on the yards per attempt metric and then relative to that underperforming on the touchdown percentage. Uh, So it's crazy to think that he could be even more uh, efficient. Uh, And then you you see things like, well, the last two games, the Eagles have scored 28 points in like the first half and then basically nothing in the second half. I guess going out to such a big lead probably does that. It is something that's kind of pushing that uh, touchdown rate down. And um, but it it is crazy to think that he could be even more, even more productive. And um, but I did have a note. Yeah, and we were talking about this just before the show. 
that with uh with with the quarterbacks in the resurrection, the top guys are so expensive. Uh, you've got Josh Allen in the first round, Lamar Jackson at, at pick 15, Jalen Hurts at pick 20, Mahomes at pick 24. Um, so I mean, a big part of my best ball strategy this year was actually targeting those guys, but in the fifth mm-hmm. and sixth round. And I I really think that the kind of elite quarterback strategy, uh, I, I, I get why those, go, those guys are going so high when you when you see this chart, um, but it's, it's just so hard to win when you're using first and second round picks on quarterback. Yes, I, I agree with you. And I, I think if they were going in like, the late third or fourth, I think that would be more justifiable. And I would probably still take both of them certainly in the fourth, late third, maybe uh, it's a a bit more of a question, but the way these guys are separating, I mean, Jalen hurts looks like a completely different quarterback than he did the last few years. He, the way he's throwing the ball is just bounds above what we've seen from him in the past. Look, he's always had that insane rushing ability too, but this past week he didn't even really, rush at all and still put up like you said 30 fantasy points in the first half if they're pushed at all in that game it truly could have been you know a a ridiculous all-time fantasy performance from hurts but they just didn't have to do anything besides hand it to miles sanders for the second half so i'm really yeah go ahead i do think it's interesting so if you look at uh hurts is his completion over expected last year uh, he threw deep a lot so his actual completion rate was low enough but his CPOE, so completion over expected, was actually neutral. So he was completing passes at about the rate you would expect for his average depth of target. And mm-hmm. I think a big thing that killed him last year was that he had Jalen Rager. That he was taking a bunch of targets. And then now you, you substitute that for AJ Brown. And that's you can see that's such a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that the, the um, AJ Brown upgrade is one thing. I think another thing, and this is more narrative with Hertz, but he truly has just gotten so much better in every year of his career, going back to college through now. You know, we've seen him be an extremely one-dimensional running quarterback at Alabama. They got benched for Tua, and, you know, people really thought he had no chance of being an NFL quarterback back when he was at Alabama and proved people wrong at Oklahoma, got drafted in the second round, proved a lot of Eagles fans wrong, you know, the past couple of years, so... I just like betting on on Jalen Hurts based on his growth trajectory, and obviously the weapons uh, make a huge difference. Right. As well, it makes it uh, painful. It's painful to fade Jalen Hurts even in the second round, given yes. just how good he is. But I mean, then you ask you yourself the question: Okay, so are you taking Hurts over uh, Jalen Waddle or? Um, Javante or Pittman or T Higgins? No, pr- probably no. I mean, maybe, maybe Pittman. That's the only name there where I'm like, the quarterback upside for Hertz perhaps is worth it. It's tough, Drico, because I, th- I think it really depends. You know, if all the elite quarterbacks are going early, I don't want to completely fade the elite quarterbacks. Like at some point, I want to just adjust to where the market has them ranked, but, you know, looking at the ADP, if like for the next couple of weeks, while this is the landscape, I'm going to be taking stabs at the pocket passers going a bit later who will not have the same consistent 
upside as the Hurts and Lamars, but we know can still pop off for massive games. That would be guys for me like um, Joe Burrow, 61. That's still quite rich, but Joe Burrow at 61. Tom Brady at 86 looks really good to me. I think he's – Brady at this point in his career, he he doesn't look bad. I, I think like I've, I've heard some film takes on him that he looks like the same quarterback, and I largely agree with that. It's just that his weapons are so bad right now, and you're getting him at a – pretty massive discount compared to some of these order other quarterbacks and i think eventually evans godwin julio will come back healthy and he can really compete with the ceiling of some of those um you know lamar hurts guys on a given week so i think that's how i'm playing it right now is looking at sort of the pocket passers going so a speaking of later. pocket passers at a discount the one the one yeah. name that i've kind of circled is trevor lawrence yeah. Uh, right now going at pick 110 and that's it's that's obviously not going to hold and i'd say even if you drafted he entered a draft tonight i doubt he lasts to 110 um, mm-hmm. but i think one one of the so i listen to sean siegel a lot i know you do and a lot of people who are listening do and one of his big teams are that people are very often underreacting to news and, and information yep. and then the information we're getting <clears throat> on Trevor Lawrence is that Urban Meyer screwed him over and he is actually this generational quarterback prospect and and we should we should be reacting to that um and it, like at a 90 pick difference to uh Joe and Hurts or even yeah. if it's 60 picks like I think that's probably definitely among quarterbacks but possibly in the entire draft probably the bargain of the draft right now lawrence lawrence is looking awesome i'm, I'm totally on, bar, on board with that and i think if we change our mindset a little bit and say that last year never happened trevor lawrence is a rookie this year um doug peterson is his head coach and he comes off to this hot of a start his adp would skyrocket but he we're still an- yeah we're still anchored to how bad <laughs> that urban meyer year was so i'm with you there the market's not reacting fast enough uh, I think this is an interesting question from from Mike Rob in the chat. So based off performance for player and team, which of these rookie quarterbacks have the best chance to be the hammer for the resurrection? And so how I interpret this is, look, there's none of these rookie quarterbacks are on this chart, um, unless I'm missing something, because none of them have started yet. For the rookie quarterbacks, I'm thinking uh, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, uh, I think those are probably the only three. Maybe you could throw Sam Howell in there. Let, let's say we limit our discussion to those four. I think so. How, how I interpret this question is which starting quarterback that's ahead of those rookies is doing the worst right now, and which of these teams actually have good enough weapons to potentially right. elevate one of those rookie quarterbacks and. I think to me the clear answer is is Mitch Trubisky uh, with Kenny Pickett coming in there. You know, it, it's it's tough. I think you could you could argue Willis for this, but let me make the case for uh, for Pickett. I think Pittsburgh has a really exciting set of weapons. Deontay Johnson is a proven target earner, a stud. Claypool is a big slot wide receiver, uh, yak weapon. They also have Najee, Fryermuth, Pickens, like a good set of complementary guys that can can do some work in the passing game and Trubisky has just been so far and away worse than, you know, Mariota who's ahead of Ritter Tannehill who's ahead of Willis that I think Pickett is by far the most likely. 
out of those right. to get he starts. He has a first round draft capital. Yeah, the Steelers yeah. absolutely stink. Like they're gonna, they're probably gonna lose a bunch of games, and then that really does push the pressure. That like, oh, let's see what we have in our rookie quarterback. I think they have to, and you know, Pickett, I think does have a little bit more mobility than he's given credit for. You know, he has that famous fake slide, uh, you know, 60 yard run that they, they changed the rule uh, after him in college football because of that, but he's got some rushing juice, you know, probably more in like the t- projects more of like a Tannehill level rusher, obviously than like a Hertz or Lamar level rusher, but I think he could give you some rushing upside. So if I'm taking a swing on a rookie quarterback, I'm, I'm probably going pick it, but I don't think, Willis or even Ritter are terrible, like 18th round picks. If you have stacks with those guys and, uh, you know, want to take a stab in the best. I really like Sam Hell as well. Um, because there's another team where they're one and two. Um, Carson Wentz is, I mean, he's just made all these, te- he, he hasn't made the really terrible, like, uh, put it on Twitter mistakes yet, but it, it, it does feel like only a matter of time. Um, and they are, they, they're not, they, they're not a bad set of weapons to throw to. No, good, good wide yeah. receivers. Yeah. And, um, Sam Hell was so good in college. Like he, he was a big arm. Like he was so productive, efficient throughout his college career. Uh, and then in his senior year, when all of his weapons graduated from college, he turned into this dual track quarterback and, um, had, had, pretty good rushing yards. Um, so that one feels like one where it's probably a little bit thinner from the start just because yeah. it went so late. Um, but I could still I could still kind of see it happen. And I think if it did happen, the potential is just so high. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to hate on any of those guys, Howell, Ritter, um, uh, Willis, just because – They'll be drafted so infrequently that the upside if they hit is quite high. I've generally just been fading the idea, like stepping out of best ball resurrection. I think it's a good pick in that. I've been generally fading the idea that those guys have a decent chance to start games. It's just, it's so rare for non first round pick quarterback. I think we get excited about these guys and like in dynasty and stuff, but it really is rare for these guys to get starting opportunities. That said, like the percent of them, the percent chance of them actually getting the starting opportunity relative to how the field is going to treat them is, is still good. So I'm, I'm on yeah. on board with that. Maybe just a slight sort of nitpick there. Yeah. Um, it, it's probably not going to be a core strategy, but um, the fact that there's some ba- basically bad quarterbacks yeah. and the, uh, the, the landscape, the ADP landscape for quarterbacks is so tough that this is probably, this is probably one of the better years to, to bet on a, uh, a last round rookie and uh, break it in the start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm with you there. Um, great. Let's move on to running back Drico. Um, yep. Looking at this chart here. So familiar, you guys should be familiar. If you've watched in the past to this chart, we're looking at running back expected fantasy points. Um, and efficiency here. So on the y-axis, we have a receiving expected fantasy points per game, and then the x-axis have rushing expected fantasy points per game. So those taken together give you an idea of the total expected fantasy point, expected fantasy points for 
uh, all the running backs. And this is showing just the AFC first, and then we'll move on to the NFC so we can sort of see the backfield split within a specific team. So an easy way to look at this chart, if you're looking at sort of the different colored uh, shaded regions, in the far right corner there, you see um, Joe Mixon all alone in the 20 plus expected fantasy points region. Then in the sort of light blue region, you have 15 to 20 expected fantasy points and so on. So looking at those different colored bands, you can sort of see uh, where different players are stacking up in terms of their expected fantasy point workload. And then the size of the bubbles shows how efficient they've been, um, AKA fantasy points over expected. So for reference on this chart, um, if you see Damian Harris in the middle there, he is basically right at zero expected fantasy points. So running backs that have a larger bubble than that, that means they're outperforming their workload. Um, running backs who have a smaller bubble than that are underperforming their and workload. And just, just to, uh, and I think you, you might have misspoke there, just to clarify, the, the yeah. size of the bubble represents fantasy points over expectation. So it's how much do they score over their expected points from their workload? That's right. Yeah, that's what I, I meant to say. I may have may have misspoke. Um, so, for example, let, let, let's dive into this chart. I think the thing that stands out the most in this chart to me is Joe Mixon. It, it's sort of you can take this one of two ways, right? One, like the positive spin is that he has this insane workload. He's, he's smashing everybody else in terms of expected points. Nobody, even in the NFC, is really close to him. Uh, he's getting around, I believe, 25 expected fantasy points per game, something in that range. That said, he's also been by far the least efficient running back in terms of um, fantasy points over ex expected. He's far underperforming that workload. So on the positive side, you could say, Hey, he's due for some positive regression. He's getting this massive workload on the negative side. You could say maybe the Bengals are watching the tape and seeing that, you know, maybe Samaje P Ryan or Chris Evans can get them some more juice on receiving situations or whatever it may be. He's just extremely inefficient. So Drico, how are you approaching the Joe Mixon situation? Because I think, especially in the Bessel resurrection, he's a key sort of decision point given given that workload at an ADP of around. So 24. I actually, I think that uh, Joe Mixon is actually a great point to, to debut our uh, our new uh, running back chart, because um, this is this, this this is the chart that if you remember we showed uh, we showed Ben Gretsch on our uh, on our consultation call on Wednesday evening. And he was like, oh, well, here's another way to look at it that will put it in a, in context. And as you can see that, uh, so Joe Mixon is far away the uh, the high, the leader in expected points. But uh, there you see he's actually, he's not the leader in snap share. He's high up there, but the biggest, um, the biggest contributing factor to that expected points is the fact that he is he is relatively high, but the Bengals have just ran so many plays that mm -hmm. it, it's kind of like inflating that there, um, and that's a good point. Part of, I, I guess probably part of the reason that uh, they ran so many plays is because they have been so uh, inefficient. So if you did get more efficiency, then that would push that would probably push the expected workload down, um. Just because they would run that space, but um, 
one of the reasons I guess I I, I wanted you to selfishly I wanted you to uh, pull up this chart because mm-hmm. I look at it and I think to myself there's no way that Saquon Barkley is not the 101. Like I think mm-hmm. it's clear as day. He's the he's base he's more or less the only uh the only player that is getting a high uh, high expected point total is playing well with it and he is uh he's leading the NFL the NFL in running backs uh percentage of uh, snap share. Like he like that's that's he he's a guy who's right up there like he's well ahead of even Jonathan Taylor in that kind of bell cow role and he's outperforming it. Yeah, I'm with you there. And and let me respond to that point in a second. But first, let me just orient. I know this is a new chart. So l- let me quickly talk through what we're showing here on this chart. So uh, we wanted to look at how each running back's role breaks down as it's a percent of their team's total plays. So uh, for example, for Saquon Barkley there, you can see he has the highest, like of his team's total plays, he has a higher percent of rush attempts and routes on those plays than any other running back in the NFL. So that's sort of how you read this chart. That light green section is percent of team plays that he's running a route. The dark green is percent of team plays that he's um, that he has a rush attempt. So those are like the snaps that we want our running backs to have. We want them to be rushing the ball. We want them to be running routes. Um, so that's sort of an interesting way to, to look at which running backs are the bell cows versus which running backs are more just sort of situational players. And on this chart here, you can see that Saquon, Fournette, McCaffrey, Taylor, Mixon, Cook, those are the guys you'd sort of expect to be um, workhorse backs. And, you know, we can talk about other sort of more surprises there, but uh, back to the Barkley point, um, I am I am with you there that I'd have a hard time clicking another running back over him. I think CMC and Taylor for me are still on the discussion and and maybe I don't think it's quite as clear cut um, as you do. I think it's interesting with all three of those guys, right? That none of their offenses really look good, right? Like, you know, the Panthers look the worst, right? But I'm not excited about the Giants and the Colts either. So I don't know. I, I, the Giants stuff, it spooks me just with, you know, they could start to have a couple games where they look like the Panthers have looked for the first, last couple of weeks and all of a sudden Saquon's efficiency doesn't doesn't look as good. So I think there's some regression to the mean between between those guys. And I wouldn't fault anyone for still going with McCaffrey or, or Barkley, sorry, McCaffrey or Taylor over Barkley, but I am with you that it's not, it's no longer like crazy to say Barkley should be the first running back taken. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get to some questions from the chat. Um, the achiever says, uh, is asking, did Saquon just fall off the top of the EP graph? Uh, just to be clear. So this, this chart here is just showing the AFC and then this is showing the NFC. The reason I split it like that is just so you can quick, like clearly see the backfield breakdown on a team. Like if you wanted to look at the David Montgomery versus Khalil Herbert, you could see that on on the same graph. So no, Barkley is still very high up in expected points um, compared to the other running backs. Um, yeah. So so Drico, anything anything on the AFC or NFC you 
you wanted to hit on perhaps like a situation um, and so yeah. one one thing that i do think is very interesting and uh, we don't have it in the chart but that uh Brees hall flipped uh michael carter in uh in snaps last week um so he is now the uh the starter uh or, or I, I i guess i prefer to play him as a starter mm-hmm. and um his ADP is still at a 59.3. And so that's a situation where you've got somebody who is an extremely talented rusher. He looks so good rushing and he gets targets. He, he delivers with the targets and you're, you're getting a market that isn't really caught up to that, uh, to the new reality of, of him having flipped Carter in snaps. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, you can you can sort of see it on this chart. Uh, if you look at the left hand side, you see both Carter and Hall. Their, their usage is interesting, right? Because neither of them is really getting much rushing expected fantasy points. And they're both getting a big chunk of receiving. And I think the big thing with the Jets we saw this week is that week two Ty Johnson role disappeared in week three, which I think is great for both Hall and Carter. I was starting to get worried about that potential three way split. They but they introduced Johnson in week two and removed him from the game plan in week three, essentially. So I think that will stick. I don't see any reason why Todd Johnson needs to be out there when you have those two talented backs, but um, yeah, it makes me excited, more excited about both, but especially about Hall. Um, I think the point about the, the rushing expected points and um, the reason that it's been uh, receiving is be- just because they've been chasing games. Yeah. And if you got a situation where they were to to be uh, to be leading games, they're probably big. The, the the backs are probably a big part of why they would be leading games, and then uh, you would probably see a lot more uh, rushing. Uh, yeah, in, in a leading scenario, not that we expect that to happen terribly often, but yeah, no, I think it's like an important. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's important context, and it's also important context of the Jets. I don't know the numbers up right now, but the Jets have been running an insane amount of plays. Like Joe Flacco has yeah. been throwing the ball like 60 times a game in some games. So it's been, it's been a little insane just how the Jets offense has worked out. But I, you know, I don't really see that, you know, I think they've reached an extreme in weeks one to three, but I do expect them to be trailing in most games throughout the rest of the year. So I think this high receiving usage for Carter or sorry for Hall uh, is relatively sticky you know i don't expect necessarily 10 plus expected fantasy points a game but i think he could be could be close to that throughout the season another thing i wanted to bring up here on the running back side was the miami backfield i think that's a weird interesting one to discuss you see in this yellow section here in the five to ten expected fantasy point range we both have Mostert and Edmonds and there's no really clear like one's the receiving down back one's the rushing uh you know the rushing back they're both sort of seeing a little bit of each Edmonds is seeing a little bit more in terms of usage I think that's that's kind of driven by a couple goal line touches that he has over Mostert but I I I've kind of throwing up my hands at this one there's their snaps are pretty evenly split uh, is it just that we don't expect Miami to funnel a lot of points to these backs when they have such explosive pass catchers? Or do you have any read on, you know, why why Miami has such a low expected uh, points for these two um, backs? 
so they i do remember that they yeah miami ran the uh the fewest plays of any offense in the nfl last week and um <laughs> the uh the what you call it that 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 is yeah. a, big, a big part of expected points is just running plays yeah that's true um, so obviously they had this pass rate over expectation they had this huge like 60 percent cumulative target share for uh um tyreek and waddle and so it yeah it's like it is the case that there's not going to be a lot of points um or expected points left over from that um but I do think that when you're talking about two cheaper backs in an offense that we're now talking about potentially being one of the best in the NFL, eh, that it's that seems like a good target to me. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's kind of where I was going with that, that I think it's Edmonds at ADP 103, Mostert at 140 in the resurrection. And I think it's just been sort of some weird – game script stuff that's gone on. I expect Miami to be a good team that's going to be leading in some games, and eventually you're going to see games where they um, funnel some some rushing to these backs. And I think Edmonds also is a capable receiver. He hasn't really shown that so far. But, you know, we've seen how teams adjust uh, to explosive passing attacks in the past, um, implement a lot of cover too, and, you know, try to take that away from teams. I don't know if you can take away – Tyreek and Waddle, but teams might try in a way that eventually um, funnels some of the receiving workload to to Edmonds right. and Mostert. So eventually, a, t- yeah. a defense has to go. Okay, this is one of the scariest offenses in the NFL. They're, they're trying to these two guys. We have to make sure that they try to beat us with somebody else, beat us with anybody else but these two guys. And the backs could be a big part of that. Somebody else that kind of forces a defense to be a bit more honest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, a couple uh let's move on to the to the NFC chart which we haven't spent a lot of time on yet. So again, here just just the same chart but for the NFC. And I think the first thing that that people are going to be interested in um this week is this Jabal Williams stuff with DeAndre Swift being banged up and potentially missing some weeks. I would be confidently calling Jamal Williams an RB1 for any week that that Swift is missing. And, and maybe that's not even that hot of a take. He's probably already performed at that, even with Swift playing a lot of snaps. But Williams' rushing workload is quite strong. The offense looks good. And I think he's due to take Swift's uh, – you know, he's not as good a receiver as Swift – at all, but he's he's due to take some of those dump off targets if Swift were to miss time. So we already see him here, sort of close to the likes of Fournette and McCaffrey in terms of expected points. And I would be, you know, I, I think if he's, I haven't looked ahead at, at DFS prices or whatever, but if he's sort of a chalky running back due to a Swift injury, I'd be inclined to say that Jamal Williams is is good chalk based on his performance and, and workload so far. Um. So yeah, I I definitely I appreciate the point about um the utilization uh is gonna it's it's gonna be a great utilization profile um yeah. because the offense has been explosive um 
he has been getting the uh, the goal line carries. Um, they do target the backs. He do, he 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 can pass catch. Mm-hmm. Um, the my my only my one concern with uh, Jamal would be that uh, with with Swift's absence is that one of the reasons that the offense has been so explosive is because of the Andre Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, and my only my only concern would be that okay, so when you take away one of the best players on the offense and the quarterback is Jared Goff, will will those kind of goal line carries continue? And and he's got a lot of goal line carries. Will, is, is that a situation where you're going to get a lot of uh, regression to lower um, goal line looks, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Swift there? But, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you, we have seen like Swift – rips off a 50 yard run gets the ball down to the one yard line and Williams punches it in. But if Swift isn't there in the first place to do that, right. Williams can't, can't capitalize. So I do see, I do see your point that the overall efficiency of the offense will go down um, for sure. I think, yeah, we've, we've hit on this. Maybe we don't need to spend a ton of time again. Pollard shows up pretty similar to Zeke here. Zeke's getting almost no receiving usage, even though he has uh, he's playing a lot of snaps. Whereas Pollard is seeing a lot of targets while he's on the field, so that that sort of explains that. Again, with Pollard, you know, we see him in games ripping off these huge plays. He can still have a spike week even when Zeke plays, but for him to really reach his upside, we're going to need to see a Zeke injury or you know, some miraculous benching of Zeke that, that seems pretty unprecedented. So they're both just kind of limiting each other in a way. Um, or I would say like Zeke is limiting Pollard. I, I don't think Pollard is limiting Zeke because I'm not sure Zeke could even do much with a full workload at this point in his career. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's at least exciting that Pollard is still showing up at around 10 expected fantasy points, even with Zeke there. I think it, I think it is sort of reflecting a big potential ceiling uh, if Zeke were to to go down, um, but that's my <laughs> that's my Pollard rant for the week. Trico, any uh, anything else on the NFC you want to touch on? So uh, I did have a question. So we do have that other running back chart, uh, but yeah. it, I guess it's at the end of the slides. In my head, uh, and and I guess we didn't communicate a lot, but in my head, we we're gonna do the running backs all at the same time. Yeah. Um, um. Oh. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. So one uh, one point that I thought was interesting is that uh, the Rashad Penny um, roots and rush attempt share is relatively high. It's it's yeah. right around it's actually right around Derrick Henry, Zeke, Aaron Jones, Kamara, and uh, and it's interesting that that is so high that he's got this high share. But then you look at the expected points, and it's only twenty two expected points in three games and it just it, it it kind of really does demonstrate how brutal an offense uh seattle is for the running backs that somebody can be basically uh, a borderline a border it's definitely stephanie starter borderline kind of like workhorse um in terms of share mm-hmm. and uh still get like next to nothing in expected points and and for a back in the offense to really produce, they have to be so efficient to really juice up those points. Um, 
And I guess it is interesting that Penny, he did have that monster yard carry last year. Um, Kenneth Walker, really explosive college uh, college production uh, efficiency. Um, and I guess it's it, it's interesting. Do you still, I, yeah. I'm, I'm asking myself, do I still want to make that bet at pick 130 uh, or one uh, for Penny or 133 for uh, for Walker? And I, I do think it's still interesting there, but obviously seeing that 22 is is a, a good punch. Yeah, that's tough. And I think an interesting, if you could see on this chart, like I, I don't know what the data point is. Maybe it's it's team snaps or maybe it's like total team expected fantasy points or something. But that's what this chart is like is hiding a bit, right? It's just that the, the team situation for Seattle is so bad. It makes no sense that Penny, you know <laughs> – has he's sort of in the same range of these guys we're excited about in terms of routes and and rush attempts um like Eckler you know Najee Derrick Henry Zeke like these are all if you're telling me oh Penny's around those guys in terms of workload I'm like wow that was a smash at pick 100 or whatever but god that they're, they're playing just so slow you know Gino hasn't even been bad that's that's not really what it is I don't think I just think it's just that they're running sucked so few plays Right. Um, that's really dragging down Penny. But, you know, if I were to take a stance on, you said his ADP is 130 in the resurrection, I am still pretty confidently buying at that price. Like he's he's showing up uh, based on this chart as sort of a top 15 running back in terms of in terms of workload, even on a bad team. I think it's hard to see how that that fails at pick 130, you know. It's not hard to see how it fails. Like they're fucking Seattle, but. right? <laughs> like, well, the, the same reality was true last year when he yeah. when he won Liam the BBM uh, two. They so they had Geno Smith as quarterback. They had the few the, the the issue when they were not getting as many plays as you'd want. But he was just he's so he he can he can play so good that he's so efficient that he he kind of like canceled out, out the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Another interesting so moving on from Penny, another interesting thing on this chart that I that I wanted to point out. I don't think it has to be a long discussion, but you know, Fournette and McCaffrey, we touched about them a bit. I think they're both, you know, I would take a pulse check on their managers in your fantasy leagues if you're in a league with active trading because they're still showing up as massive workhorses here in the same category as Barkley and Taylor. And I think there are better days ahead for both of those offenses. Obviously with Tampa, you can see how there's better days ahead once Brady's pass catchers return with Carolina. It's almost like they can't be worse. So, you know, if, if there's an owner who's freaking about, about McCaffrey, you know, maybe he's also thinking about how he's been injured the past couple of years I'm still excited about McCaffrey now. Am I happy I took him at 101? No, but if someone is valuing him as like you know a, a late first or, or second round pick, I think I'm I'm doing a quick sort of pulse check there on that on that owner. Trico, uh, anything else here on the running back side, or should we move on to the wide receivers? Um, so just a comment. His uh, his ADP is nine point one. And, oh, sorry, no, that's the that's the wrong uh, wrong competition. His ADP is six in uh, the resurrection, uh, so you uh, I guess any slide there and you're and you're scooping. 
and yeah. in the in the resurrection, I uh, I expect you to have fifty uh, percent uh, CMC this week. <laughs> With you know, I, I think at that it's a good point. At that price, I'm, that's not standing out as a massive value to me. I think these resurrection drafters are sharp. I think this is maybe more of a comment for like folks right. in leagues where I think people are gonna, are pretty down on McCaffrey right now. And um, yeah, at ADP of six seems just like fair, just fair to me right. in the resurrection. What the real value I think is Fournette at 30. I mean, it's gross, right? He, he doesn't look great out there. He's getting a, sh- a lot of touches. It's been inefficient. Tampa Bay's offense looks bad, but man, I'm just not, I'm not giving up on Brady on that offense once, once they get Julio. Evans, Godwin back. I think I think they're gonna be all right. Uh we can I guess we do have this other running back chart. So here we have sort of more situational running backs. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time here, Draco, unless unless something stood out. I think the big thing for me is just CEH is so far and away. I, I think the perception of him right now is way better than his actual role. He's here sort of at only around 40% of Kansas City snaps is he getting a route or a rush attempt? He's a rotational player. They're they're rotating McKinnon, they're rotating Pacheco a little bit. Um he's been really efficient and the offense will be continue to be good, but you know, he's not gonna keep up the same touchdown efficiency. I don't think I'd love to do a man on the street show. Did you know Clyde Edwards Hilaire is only getting 40% of the snaps for the Chiefs? <laughs> yeah. This yeah, I think that's why these charts are interesting, right? Because I wouldn't have thought that, uh, right? But it really shows, like, yeah, we, he's in we got game. a we got a, a comment in from uh, Chung about Khalil Herbert. Uh, I think uh, Sean uh, Siegel he, he wasn't on the zero RB list, but he'd called him a top five uh, running back for the rest of the year, and I think it, it's probably a good example of uh, where you really do need to re- be reactive to. Uh, the information that you're giving where Khalil Herbert kind of like looks so good that um, when we're looking at this kind of like year's crop of running backs and everybody, like e- even the best are, are only getting 85 kind of like percent snap shares and that's mm-hmm. the best. And then you go down a little bit and like Dal- Dalvin Cook is right around 60%. Um, and so even even these guys who project to be in timeshare type committees, if they can be ext- like if they can if they can be extremely efficient, that they can really push any any running back. And so I, I don't know I don't know if I'm I'm not gonna ever disagree with Sean. And <laughs> and it, it I guess you, you have to be so reactive. To like, we've got this new environment. We've seen a young player show an awful lot of juice, and it's obviously going to push for a lot of playing time. Um, and I guess that that would be kind of like my reaction to that question. Yeah, I I, I think I I largely agree with that. Um, I don't. I need to look more into the the Montgomery injury. I think that we'll get more news there about it's it's day to day. Yeah. But okay. He, like he, I think he got a, he got a 150 yards on like something like I think it was like 18 carries or 20 carries or something like that. So he just like he 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 was the engine of the offense, 
And it's like, okay, well, if this guy basically won you the game from an offensive standpoint, are you like, what are, what are you going to do? You're going to play Montgomery <laughs> over him? Like, probably, yeah. probably it's still going to be like ahead, but it's not like, okay, you're not going to leave that guy on the bench either. No, I think his role will grow. Man, though, like this happened last year, right? When Montgomery went down and Herbert flashed a ton, and then everyone's like, oh, Herbert's going to have a role. Herbert's going to have a role. And they threw him right back down on the bench once Montgomery. That is true, but I believe that was a different coaching staff. So maybe that was maybe this year is different. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I'm excited about Herbert. I just, you know, have to throw the wet towel on it a little bit. We did get one one question in the Discord from Hassan on the Bills usage. And let me just start uh apologies, but go back to this chart here because I think we can see it more clearly. Um it's probably worth pointing out how far ahead Singletary is of James Cook and Zach Moss right now. But if I were to to take an RB2 in Buffalo right now, I think it is Cook over Moss for a couple reasons. One, uh, I don't have the numbers ahead of me, but his, his snaps are trending up. Obviously, he had that disaster week one with the fumble on his first touch. Um, he saw a little bit more action in week two, I think largely in garbage time. But then last week you saw, and it, it could have been a product of just the insane number of plays the Bills ran, but I saw him um, playing a decent bit down the stretch. I think also lined up out wide and or, or in the slot as a wide receiver um, when they were just rotating snaps there for a bunch of guys. So I think it is interesting they're getting him on the field a little bit more in those situations. And also just the fact that he's a rookie. They spent a second round pick on him. We've seen this coaching staff, you know, relegate Zach Moss to healthy scratches in years past. So I think this Moss over Cook uh, stuff is not going to last long. And I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about James Cook with his ADP um, quite low in the resurrection compared to his, his preseason ADP. He's going up pick 165 right now. Man, just right. Just as a contingency playoff, Singletary, I think that's that's pretty exciting on a really high-powered offense. I am gonna have a ton of James Cook at that price. Um, any thoughts on the Bills' backfield? Backfield, Draco? No, I I think you nailed it. Um, yeah. The the other point is that uh, the resurrection is obviously so much more in favor of rookies because you push the timeline down the road and uh, doesn't start till week six. So. These these weeks where he's not really playing don't really don't, they don't matter for scoring, and you can probably take another two weeks. And if he starts if he's playing a lot by week nine, like you're 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 cooking with, with gas there. Yep, yep, for sure. On the wide receivers, so looking at this chart here, again we are sort of we're looking here at fantasy points versus weighted targets per route run which is sort of a measure of wide receiver earned opportunity it's targets per route run adjusted for air yards so again uh a bomb 50 yards down the field is worth more than a screen pass in this metric so looking at this chart uh we have sort of four quadrants uh, in the top right we have strong performers so those are guys who are earning a strong opportunity and have performed well in terms of fantasy points per game. In the bottom right, we have guys who have earned a strong opportunity but have not flashed a high fantasy ceiling yet. We're calling them buy lows. Um, and then the top left, 
we have guys who are not earning a significant opportunity, but have earned a lot of fantasy points. So those were, were designating as sell highs. Again, this is a bit, um, I don't want to be too conclusive with sell high versus buy low. Guys who flash efficiency on limited targets can earn bigger roles, and guys who are earning a lot of targets and not doing anything can be relegated. So, again, these are not like you have to evaluate the individual player situation uh, before determining buy low or sell high, but it's sort of a general framework for how we think about it. And then finally, in the, the far bottom left here, we have guys we're calling cardio specialists. They're running a ton of routes, uh, but they're not earning any opportunity. And they're not also earning any fantasy points. So this chart here, these are the guys that are running more than 90% of their team routes. They're the almost every snap guys for their teams, the likes of Cooper Cup, uh, Deontay Johnson, CD Lamb, um, those those types of guys. Drick, I'll kick it to you. Uh, anything that stand out for you amongst these um, full-time wide receivers? So um, to start out, I do want to. I want to kind of give an example of how I've uh, I've used this chart uh, the last two weeks in uh, both DFS and uh, in um, underdog underdog kind of DFS. So I think it's really useful to use this chart to because to look at who are the more like um, kind of uh, unlocked at or like under the radar guys who are actually uh, playing one hundred percent of their team snaps and. Um obviously you have to use somewhat some some kind of discretion. Um, but for example, Matt Collins was on this chart the last two weeks in a row. He was in the cardio specialist section, but mm-hmm. um he was also kind of like uh now he 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 was uh how do I call it not unheralded, like he was complete chalk in the yeah. US. Yeah. Um but the fact that he did he does run uh, such a high percentage of his team's routes means it just means that he 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 it makes him in play for those weeks where he uh, he doesn't get the, the the dominant target share but he just gets a bit of uh, point variance um yeah the same with um Devonta Smith Devonta Smith was actually in the cardio specialist section the last two weeks in a row in this chart and. Obviously, we we've seen exactly just how talented Devonta Smith is, um. So I I kind of like, uh, this is maybe it's a bit unusual. I kind of like looking at the uh, at the at the non-strong performing parts and like, okay, who who's somebody who's running mm-hmm. a lot of routes is going cheap right now, and I think can really smash, uh, in in future weeks. And I look at this and I see that uh. Elijah Moore is in the cardio specialists and, mm-hmm. and, and we have it as labeled cardio specialist question mark for a reason. Um, and I think that he, Elijah Moore is super interesting there because we, we know he, he's a, he's a, a really, really good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it hasn't worked out for him so far, but he is somebody that I'm very interested in playing that. um like I said, full-time starter, think he, he could be kind of like a special NFL talent and just because we haven't seen it through three weeks doesn't mean that it couldn't it, it's not going to be a strong season for him yeah I think I think you identified exactly that that's exactly what I was thinking I was looking to start and looking at the cardio specialists I thought 
you know, amongst that group, it's a bunch of guys who are underperforming. Obviously, that's why they're there. But Elijah Moore, compared to all those other guys, doesn't have the same sort of negative team expectations or negative career trajectory expectations, aka Allen Robinson and Adam Thielen sort of have that going for them. So I think the Jets have shown they can be a sort of high volume passing team with a lot of points going to the wide receivers. And I think it's a little bit of noise that Garrett Wilson is hitting these huge weeks and Elijah Moore is not just as we saw in the first two weeks, you brought up the Devonta Smith example. I think that's a great one. The him versus AJ Brown. Everyone's saying, Oh, Devonta, you know, he's getting totally boxed out by AJ Brown. He's going to have a terrible year, blah, blah, blah. He puts up a massive week that could have been even more massive, right? If the Eagles didn't get so far ahead in that one. So, I'm with you on Elijah Moore. I think um, the other interesting name there that, or, or I guess interesting team there that I want to talk about is the Steelers with, you see Deontay in the buy low section. You see both Pickens and Claypool in the cardio specialist section. So like we talked about in the quarterbacks, Trubisky is really just bringing those guys down. And I do think, there's either A, going to be a week where Trubisky gets benched for Pickett and Pickett flashes some of that uh, preseason um, hype that that we saw and, and sort of elevates those guys, or they're just going to run good on efficiency in a given game, even with Trubisky. So as far as DFS throws go, uh, or DFS start throws go, I'm pretty um, happy with either Claypool or Pickens or sort of a you know higher price guy that, that the market might be underrating right now. I'm I'm pretty excited about Deontay Johnson. They're just they're running a ton of routes in this offense, and eventually one of these guys is gonna spike for a big week, I think. And the I think the other thing as well is that the defense is so bad that they're probably gonna be trailing once they play kind of better offenses and than the Browns, they're probably gonna be trailing a lot of games. Yeah. I agree. Gabe Davis is another one that I think I would, I don't have the same excitement for him as Elijah Moore. Cause I don't think the talent is quite there. That said, the offensive situation is better. And he's been, I think he's been playing banged up, uh, especially last week. So I'm not overreacting too much to the, to low target numbers he's had. He's, he's clearly a full-time player in this offense. And once he gets healthy, I think he's going to have uh, a massive week at some point. So, He's another guy that, that to your point, um, I think, especially on this 90% routes run chart in this cardio specialist section, you can really identify some, some under owned guys in, in DMS right. once you factor in the price. So he's another guy that um, if ownership is low, I'm, I'm excited about, um, but I have to look more into that. So I, I, I had a guy uh, penciled here uh, Christian Kirk is in the strong performer. So he's running 90 to 95% of routes and uh, he's dominating targets He's scoring over 20 points a game. We talked about how much we love Trevor Lawrence. And um, but talking about kind of price adjusted, uh, he's now he's going in the third round. And um, what what do you think of that? Do you think that he should be uh let me let me pull up the, the guys he's going around. Do you think that he should be going um around T. Higgins, ahead of Mike Williams, ahead of Gabe Davis, ahead of Cortland Sutton? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London. Yeah. Man, I think that's the right range for him. I think – so I'm just looking at it. I, I think CD should be going ahead of him. 
I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've been sort of famous for slandering CD, but almost more in a joking way. I, I still think CD is a better talent there. But after that, I don't know. I think I'm taking, I'm not taking him out of Higgins, but I think I'm taking ahead, taking him ahead of Mike Williams, Gabe Davis, Cortland Sutton, um, maybe Drake London. I think that's, that's close. So maybe a little bit of a, a lukewarm take there, but I think he's, he's basically in the right range. Maybe you can make the case for one or two guys going ahead of him, but I, I'm just buying into this Jacksonville offense. And I'm also buying into the fact that he was just misused in Arizona and Jacksonville identified, you know, him as a top wide receiver on the market and they're using him as that. And he's performing as that. So at some point, I think we have to say that, you know, he's a new player than he was in Arizona. And I, I kind of have a hard time seeing how this, this fails. I, I think it is a bit scary just because we never really saw this in Arizona, but I am, I think I'm okay largely with, with that price. Do you have a different take there? Trigo? I'm a little bit different. And okay. so I, I agree for the most part. Uh, my one concern is that uh, we are using a three game sample size of Trevor Lawrence and mm-hmm. uh, being this great all time prospect uh, in our, in the NFL. And I know I said on the quarterback section, Oh, Hey, I want to buy that. And, um, but probably more than most fantasy players, I'm really responsive to price and at, at pick a hundred or whatever his, his actual ADP in, in a draft is right now. Like I, I'm making that bet that he's uh he, he, he is the generational prospect. And uh, when it puts uh, Christian Kirk in third round, that's when I start to like think about uh, alternative scenarios of like, Oh, maybe we've just seen, a great three game stretch and week four through seven are going to be much worse. And I, I had this penciled in for the, uh, for the next chart. Um, but uh, maybe it's, yeah, I, yeah, it is this chart. Maybe mm-hmm. a better way to play it is or a better way to buy the Jaguars offense is Zay Jones, who is, um, where have I got him? Yeah, he's earning a similar similar opportunity in terms of way to per, per uh, I don't know if that's where you're going with that, but he's earning a right. similar he, opportunity. Similar, similar opportunity, mm-hmm. and his price is a pick 145. Yeah, and so you've got an over 180p difference. And I guess if you're asking me, do I think who's who do I think is better, Christian Kirk or Zay Jones? It's Christian Kirk, but for a way to to make a cheap bet on um, the cheapest way I can make the bet. On the Jaguars being this great offense juggernaut led by Trevor Lawrence, I think that that would be the way that I would want to do it. That that's fair, and yeah, if, if you're asking me, you know, would I rather probably suggested have the Zay Jones stack or even the ETN stack? I think ETN's going to pick 84, and he can have some some spikes in the receiving game there. I, I'm with you. I, I would rather have. Um, uh, Lawrence stacked with those guys, just price adjusted. Even Marvin Jones, it's a little gross, a little grosser there, but he is also earning a decent opportunity in that offense. And we've seen him have big touchdown guys. He's sort of a big bodied uh, contested catch guy that can make plays in the red zone. So, you know, the, those cheap Jack stacks, I think that if the prices stay as they are, which I'm praying for, I'm not sure they will. The cheap Jack stacks are, are I think an incredible way to attack the best ball resurrection right now. You can get Lawrence, Zay Jones, ETN, 
um, quite late in drafts and just bank on the Jaguars continuing to be good and just print money there. So I, I think that's a good point, Draco. I, I, I'll capitulate there. I, I still think I don't want to have zero Kirk at his price because I don't think like the wide receivers around him outside of a few guys that I mentioned are like smashes above him. Right. Uh, I don't want to be overexposed to him at that price. I guess I kind of set you up there a little bit as well. <laughs> I set you up and then I fucking <laughs> you you had me. I didn't have the Zay Jones in <laughs> memorized yet. Uh, it's but the I'll, punches I'll get you there. don't see coming that get you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so we, we we've moved on to this next chart, uh just for, for people following along, where we're now wide receivers that ran 70 to 90% of their teams route. So again, these are sort of the close to full-time players, but um, you know, guys for whatever reason are not seeing a full complement of snaps, uh, whether it's because they're slot only, whether because they get subbed out, whether because they were maybe injured in the game and left early, uh, those type of guys. Trico, uh, anything here on, on the sort of rotational uh, wide receivers? Yeah, um, so the, the kind of border, I think this is a borderline starter. I think uh, the first thing that kind of act, uh, yeah, borderline starter is a better way for these. It's not rotational. I'd say borderline uh, starter. Pop yeah. to me was that uh, so we you heard it first here in a uh, stat chasing Drake London over DJ Moore. The market has reacted. Drake London goes ahead of DJ Moore in drafts as it should be. And we saw another week where even even with Kyle Pitts getting the forty percent. I think it was either target share or targets per route run. And Drake London still held on to a 30% targets per route run. He's still at 80% weighted targets per route run. And he's clearly, uh, I guess, one of the best picks in fantasy football right now. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Um I'm going to refuse to capitulate on my Pollard over London stance because I still have the out of... No. Of, oh, of oh, oh, wow. You're still on Pollard over <laughs> I'm London? Not, no, I'm not capitulating yet because once once he gets hurt, I'm going to... Can we uh, put money on this? <laughs> okay. Uh, if if I'm being honest and you're, you're saying in a vacuum, who do I want London versus Pollard? It's not even close. I think there is a debate with how we structured our team um, that... The upside of Pollard represent, but but let's let's not talk about it. Right? Like, no, yeah, no, yeah. We, no one cares about that. About more let's talk about that. Well, advice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about that. Um, but okay, yeah. On on this chart, I totally agree. London is seeing ridiculous opportunity. I also think there's upside, not necessarily not not necessarily in terms of routes run. He's seeing a lot of routes that could go up a little bit. I think the upside is more so the Falcons could be forced. Uh, into game scripts where they have to throw a little bit more. They played some pretty bad offenses um, the first couple weeks of the year. I believe New Orleans week one, um, blanking on week two, but but Seattle in week three. And they, they've actually had leads in a lot of those games. I know in week one they were up on um, New Orleans by quite a bit and were, were running a bunch. So I think you've seen games where Mariota has 20, 25 pass attempts. If that ever spikes in a given week, you could really see um, some massive weeks for for London and, and also Pitts. So I am very, very excited about Drake London. And I think his ADP is fully justified in the resurrection, which I think is fourth round in the 40s somewhere. 
Make yeah, makes sense for sure. So we did get a question in from uh, from Hassan uh, about Tyler Boyd. Um, can is is I think the, it was something about is he is he here to stay? Um, and you can see here on the chart that he's. I mean, Tyler Boyd is not a cardio specialist, but that's uh in 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 weeks one through three. That's kind of like the area that he he lands in, mm-hmm. and. To me, that's kind of evidence that um, as long as T Higgins and Jamar Chase are healthy and on the field, he is going to be a kind of d- distant third um, target. But he also proved in the game against the Jets and, and numerous times last year too that this is not just a boring um, low upside slot guy. He, he's a legit playmaker. He's a very good NFL wide receiver who makes very good plays. And he, I guess he's really kind of like a, uh, in, in a, I guess the way I would put it is if, if, if you drafted a, a kind of ship chasing Rotoviz centric team, you're probably not going to want to start him. Um, but in, in best ball, while, while you wait, or, or even if, there is no absences for T or Chase. He's going to have the type of games where he just makes such a big play that he does score strong points. And if the contingent value, if one of them were to miss time, is is huge. Uh, that that's yeah. kind of how I would see um, Tyler Boyd, especially at pick one hundred and fifteen, which is is pretty close to his offseason ADP. Yeah. Yep, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I think the contingent value. There's not many wide receivers, or maybe that's the right way to put it. But I think Tyler Boyd has some of the highest contingent value of any wide receiver. We did get a question in the chat or in the Discord about Rashad Bateman. I think some people are a bit spooked on Bateman. Now, now my my Bateman take. I don't have a good explanation for why he's only earning seventy to eighty percent of the routes. What I, what I will say about that number is. I think it's extremely unlikely that goes down. I think there's really only upside for that to go up. Number two, Lamar is breaking fantasy right now. And while that has largely resulted in massive games for Mark Andrews instead of Bateman, I think Bateman has flashed a lot while he's been on the field that we're going to see some big games for Bateman coming up. Like the worry with Bateman is the volume in, in Baltimore could be low in games where they get ahead. But they're actually throwing quite a bit um, when they when they have to, or at least Lamar is dropping back. He's sometimes scrambling, which is skewing those numbers a bit. But I'm still excited about Bateman. He's a bit of a low floor play um, that can feel a little bit uncomfortable and managed. But I'm just buying that this Baltimore offense is gonna go through Lamar and the passing game and going to score quite a bit of touchdown. They're going to continue to outperform touchdown expectations just with how unstoppable Lamar looks. So I'm still pretty excited about Bateman, and especially, you know, where I have him as my wide receiver three or four. I'm, I'm still, you know, putting him in and sort of riding the, the highs and lows with Bateman. Um, Trick, anything to add there? Or, like, any explanation for why he's not seeing a full workload? I, I don't really have an answer there. I think I heard something that it was something to do with his blocking or something like that. No that he's not a great blocker, so that that's why his kind of snaps are lower. Um, that checks out. But um, he's definitely like a 
I hate to use this term with any wide receiver because they're they're all they all have volatile profiles. But he he is somebody who he's either going to make a huge play or uh, is not going to have a great fantasy day. Like he does, he needs a big plays to score points. Yeah. Um, which yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it it it's not comfortable. But I think I'd still so his ADP he goes around he goes just behind Michael Thomas. I'm just in front of Amari Cooper, and I'm happily taking him over those guys. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, it's like you, it's one of those things where I think like a few years ago, I'd be like, oh, sell Rashad Bateman. He's making it based off big plays. But I think this is a situation in Baltimore where I expect the big plays to continue and I expect the touchdowns to continue. So, even though it's low volume, man, when you see Rashad Bateman play, once like when he gets the ball in his hands, he's. He's kind of a menace right now. He's ripping off some some huge yak plays. The touchdown like, against Miami like, was like like electric. Yeah, and even last week, very quiet game, but he had um, one big like forty yard play against New England where he was just kind of toying with guys in the open field and um, ripped off sort of a huge yak play there. So I just think he's really good. Um, so I still that's that's I a great reason to drop the player, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. We also we got so we did get a question about uh, uh, Dorch, and to me he he a pretty easy, really easy sell high, like so he has he has uh, scored points, uh, but not really uh, he, he's he's in our kind of sell high quadrant, so he hasn't really kind of ju- uh, drawn the targets to justify the points, and then mm-hmm. once the Andrew Hopkins comes back, like. Once uh, Rondale Murray comes, R- Rondale uh, for Chris, a uh, friend Chris G, um, come back. It's really hard to see him still being a uh, a key part of their offense. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. We'll see on this Rondale Moore injury news. I think part of the Dorch stuff here is, as sort of you see with Samuel, it's not necessarily he's not earning a lot of targets. I think his target rate is okay. It's just, it's very low ADOT targets. And I think Samuel is a good, yeah, low value target targets. And I don't think, whereas Samuel has the athletic chops and also a bit of rushing, rushing usage to overcome a low ADOT um, role. I don't think, I don't think Dorch does. Um, He's just, he's not that guy. Um, Finishing up the wide receivers here i, I want to make sure we have enough time to get to tight ends, tight ends. i think <laughs> the fact rushing us through the receivers to get <laughs> tight ends yeah we gotta talk about Noah Gray for 10 minutes um that's on the the premium version of stat chasing uh this chart here i think the pack again these charts we see a lot of packers uh wide receivers and i think people are excited about dubs and i think we should be pretty excited about dubs um yeah. You know, he's not flashing in a way that Burks, Wilson, Olave, some of these guys that we're really excited about are, but it may be okay given the offensive environment and the fact that we could expect him to get better as the season goes on. I think I made this point last week, so I don't think we need to spend a ton of time, a ton of time on it, but I'm going with Watson and Dubs um, as the Packers wide receivers go. I'm kind of fading all the rest of the guys. And I think you have to give Dubs the edge over Watson just on, on how he's played so far. But um, I still think, you know, Watson has a shot to to come out of this wide receiver room as the guy you want down the stretch. Uh, just 
just based on the opportunity each of them are, have earned so far on, on limited staffs. But Dubs is clearly ahead now and seems to be to be trending in the right direction compared to Watson. Yeah, I think as well, the, the other thing is that the other receivers are so bad. Yeah. And Dobbs, he has the really strong college profile. And he's already he's already kind of like not not proven, but he's given us evidence that he is a, a, str- a good NFL player. And that that feels like to me, that feels like a smash pick at pick at ADP uh, 114. That does feel like one of those picks where you just need to smash it every time. Yep. I am totally with you there. Let's move on to the tight ends to wrap things up. This chart here, same we've showed the last couple of weeks. We're looking at percent of team dropbacks and what these tight ends are doing on those dropbacks. Um, whether they're on the field at all. And if they're on the field, are they running pass routes or are they pass blocking? I just want to hammer home the point. Um, or sorry, before we start, we did we did change up the data rows a little bit here so you can see targets per route run and ADOT. Um, Pat Kramer's making the interesting point that ADOT, uh, he thinks is something that matters a lot for tight ends. It kind of reflects are they being used as an actual wide receiver and getting down the field targets or are they sort of just like a dump out dump off guy? You know, they're, they're chipping a defensive end and then like rolling into the flat and getting the gross little three yard dump off. So that really pops here on this chart, uh, which was uh, thanks to Pat for suggesting that, but you see Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller. Those are the guys that are spiking in terms of ADOT on this chart. And those are the fantasy tight ends we want. So uh, that's an interesting data point to look at, but yeah, I was just gonna—I was gonna mention before I get off to you, Drico, that Mark Andrews is a wide receiver that you can play at tight end in fantasy, and he's dominating targets on one of the best, most efficient uh, offenses in the league. So I would take uh, Mark Andrews. Like I'm looking at the resurrection ADP right now; he's pick 13. Man, I'm taking him over Kelsey easily. Um, I think I'm taking him over Devonte Adams. Um, and Josh Allen. I think you should be going closer to where Kelsey was going last year, sort of in the pick like six to eight range. I just think he's he's such a smash um, in terms of the opportunities earning and the talent is there. And just compared to Kelsey, I mean, he's so much younger. He just looks like he has so much juice uh, when, when you watch him on the field. So I already had a ton of Andrews when he was going around 18 to 20, and I'm just I'm just continuing to scoop more because I think he provides you such a positional edge over uh you know the other guys on this list so that's my my andrew spiel um trico anything you wanted to highlight on the tight end yeah um i i agree with everything you said there about andrews um you uh i had to think about it a little bit when you said pick six to eight like i had to think about it but when you think about like how well uh lamar jackson has played and how kind of like dire the rest of the tight end pool looks like the gap between him and everybody else is so large that it, it, it's a, it, yeah. Positional it, advantage it, argument. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that it, that's just how it is. Yeah. And I, when I, the, my first reaction, when I saw this chart was that Tyler Higby has to be the worst full-time tight end <laughs> in the NFL. Um, so yeah, he, yeah. He, he is heavily targeted, but their treat 3.1 a dot, when I first saw that stat, I was like, did I calculate this wrong? 
Like, let me, like, he was my <laughs> gut check. Make sure that I've actually calculated this correctly. And I did. My eyes did not deceive me. It's a 3.1 A dot. And even with a 22% targets per route run um, and, and, the, and the high root share, uh, I think uh, pick 106. It can it, it, you can do worse things at pick 106, um, and yeah. but I I I just think it's such a it's a triple condom play where you're like, uh, you, you you can feel comfortable with it, but I I just I really struggle to see uh, Tara Higby being a guy who can win you uh, money. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I want I want to talk about Kittle quickly on this chart. Uh, in, my, in my notes as well. Yeah, just just the fact that he was like immediately seeing such a high route rate was a good sign. Look, he didn't have a good game. Like the targets for route run eight out numbers aren't going to look good, but I'm not reading into that on a one game sample. I think the bigger data point to take away from week three is just that he's getting a full time role. Um, so I am. I'll have to check his price in the resurrection to. to it's fifty see. something. Fifty something. So yeah, I'm I'm still good good with Kittle. I, I, my priors on Kittle haven't haven't changed i guess they're even maybe it's slightly up from the beginning of the season knowing that we have jimmy g um a little bit more stable there than than lance so um i'm totally good with kittle at his price um it's not it's not really a surprise for me to see such a a high route there for a kittle um it's it's george kittle and 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 that's that the, the there has been notes about oh hey he passed blocks too much but he does pass block too much. The fact that he pass blocks at all is too much for me. But he's on the field like almost really close to 100% of the time. So even like even with his pass blocking, his root run share is always so high, and that if they uh, if if the San Francisco ever passed, he's so live to put up such huge points that it, it, it's he's a big part of my strategy every year. Yeah, yeah. Paul asks in the chat, um, do you think it's reactionary to use this chart for coin flips on deciding when maybe you'd stack a tight end in DFS? So let me talk about how I would use this chart in DFS. I, I think this is a good way to identify punt plays in DFS. For example, Tyler Conklin. Not a believer in Tyler Conklin's talent. I don't think the situation is that good with Joe Flacco throwing him the ball. But he's out there all the time. And last week he showed that, look, a tight end who's out there all the time, he can have a big game. David Njoku kind of showed that too. Like pretty gross weeks one and two. But if a guy's out there running all the routes, just, just by pure variance, they can have a big game. So if, if, you know, if any of these guys are priced really low or have really low ownership, you know, maybe Dawson Knox is a good example. He's looked really gross the first few weeks. Um, maybe that's not quite a good example because his, his route shares is pretty low. Um, maybe someone like Brate, I imagine he's extremely cheap in DFS. Like these guys that are just gross, but they're out there all the time on, you know, you know, on decent offenses uh, that could, that could pass a bit. Um, they're I'm good. Way, it's looking. a good way to identify names that you're not familiar with that are yeah. full-time players in their offense and can be kind of contrarian, low priced uh, leverage or not leverage plays. Uh, the tournament plays yeah 
I think Brait would be my favorite um, as a tournament play. I just assume he has like, I mean, it's it's such a disgusting click. He looks terrible out there. He's not earning targets, but he's running all the routes. They're not really uh, using Kyle Rudolph or any of these other guys, and he could, you know, bank a two touchdown, you know, five catch game. We've we've seen him do that with Brady before. So that's, I mean, it's low probability, right? But probability relative to the expectation, I think, is is good. Um, and and another way yeah. to use this chart. So um, let's say you were considering between Dallas Goddard, and this is a really obvious example: Dallas Goddard and uh, Kyle Pitts. You can see, okay, very similar root shares, um, except Kyle Pitts has a 24% uh, target per run, and Goddard is 14%. Kyle Pitts, a dot of uh, 13.2. Now, I don't expect I expect Dallas Goddard's eventual full season to be higher than 3.1, but it's yeah. still like it's it's news, it's information that you can use that uh, in in your decisions, and obviously, uh in a tournament you, you really want to leverage uh or you really want to use what's the ownership going to be so you're not going to play at uh, 40 percent call pits against one uh, instead of one percent dollars gutter but it, it is useful information yeah last point of the start juan johnson that adot is pretty good we talked about all the only guys with plus 10 adots who are running more than 60 percent of routes mark andrews travis kelsey kyle pitts darren waller and Pat's boy, Jawan Johnson. So just a quick plug for Jawan Johnson. We have four minutes to get to the uh, backup tight end chart. Um, ship chasing is trying to censor me. They try to prevent this chart from getting out. To the I feel public. like we got to end the show. <laughs> but uh, backup tight end takes. Drico, I know you have been dying to talk about Tanner Hudson. What do you think his role looks like uh, in week four? <laughs> So yeah, this is this 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 is all you. I yeah. Uh... <laughs> okay, the one the one thing I had here. Let's end the show. But John, I think for deeper leagues, there's a potential Johnny who flips Hunter Henry. We saw it a little bit last week, uh, where Johnny out. I mean, he's been out targeting him consistently, but I think his snaps could go could go up, and he just looks like the more explosive player, the higher target earner on the field. He's earning twenty four percent targets per route run, whereas Hunter Henry. Um, is only earning six percent. So they they paid them these guys the same amount. I wouldn't be shocked if there's there's a flipping there. So I'm looking to Johnny in, in tight end premium. That was my the, my one backup tight end take. Okay, nothing, nothing, Draco. Okay, I guess that <laughs> mildly interesting that Noah Fant is well ahead of um, uh, Will Disley, and uh, I remember we were yeah. worried at the start of the uh, or. or Later in the offseason, that Will Disley would run ahead of Fant. So the fact that Fant is running ahead of him is interesting. And the fact that it's uh, sub 60, still six, sub 60% of routes run is uh, is painful if you're drafting him during the, uh, the offseason. But it, it, it gives me a little bit of hope. And uh, uh, pick 212. It, it, it makes them an interesting tight end, I think, in uh, in the resurrection. Yep. Final, final point. I mentioned it last week, but if you're just looking for upside at tight end, you can cross off a ton of these names. I would look to Isaiah Likely, and who's actually not shown on this chart. I think he just misses the chart. No, he's, he's, he's in the chart. He's the third last name. 
Oh, okay, Isaiah likely is there, but Noah Gray just misses the chart. I'm if if I like am in a tight end premium deep format and I need upside, I'm taking those two guys because I think they're the two contingent plays at tight end. You can maybe throw Foster Moreau into that category as well, but I'd rather have them. And in the unfortunate incident of a Mark Andrews injury, they're getting you way more upside than holding on to someone like Brevin Jordan or Robert Tanyan or, you know, even Mike Kosicki at this point. So that's kind of how I'm tie-breaking decisions there. But anyways, that's all the time we have for today. Um, thanks, uh, Trico. That was a great discussion. Uh, I will be posting these charts on Twitter and in the Ship Chasing Discord. And you can find all of Trico's Great work on Rotobiz. Um, I know he's been writing a lot about the underdog uh, battle royale formats. Drico, any any last words before we wrap up the show? And no, I think I think we've said it all, and and we we hit under our quota of an hour and thirty minutes. So happy with that. Yep. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Good luck week four.